is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, welcome in. It's another Monday Night Live at the Tap House Grill in Kenwood. Glad you're with us. Alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, I'm Nick Brunker for another week of the show as we recap the uh, trip down south to Greenville, a couple of big games that were played down there. We'll talk about both of those. Plus, we will discuss all there is to know from Matt McDonald, who is with us as well, before the Cyclones kick off a busy week this week, tomorrow night, at, or tomorrow morning at 10.30 at U.S. Bank Arena. First, though, the coach obviously here with us now to talk about the, the week that was, the weekend that was, a road trip that the Cyclones ended up with a win and a defeat. It was a, a very closely contested weekend, as we came to expect. Every game has become close this year, and a good effort by your guys. Both games, theoretically, uh, you could have gone in and won. It, do you feel like the assessment of the weekend is, is positive throughout? It feels like, from where we sit, a win and a loss is not all, all that bad for a weekend road trip. I think so, Nick. I thought uh, the first game down there was a that was a really good game. I liked the way we came out to start the game, and um, you know, getting that two one uh, win was huge for us. I mean, that's a good hockey team down there. They they play fast. They've got some uh, good skill up front, um, and you know, I think that was a big win uh, going into Saturday's game. I really thought. Uh, uh, you know, I, uh, you know they're a little tired. They did play a few more games in the week than us. And I, I really want us to come out with a big push, but uh, obviously they were going to come out with uh, their own uh, momentum, and, and I thought we handled it very well. Unfortunately for Fozzie, uh, you know, Brian Foster uh, uh, tweaked his groin. He felt a little bit on the uh, Friday night game and then felt he was okay to go on Saturday and lasted the first period. And, uh, you know, tough situation for uh, Zoltan to go in, but I thought he did very well. You know, I, I don't think it was by any means uh, um, you know, a result of, of him being in net. I think uh, we ran into a pretty hot goaltender on Saturday night, putting mm -hmm. 40 shots at him, and, and a lot of those were quality shots and multiple shots on on the same play. So, um, you know, it was one of those games I thought we uh, when we got to 4-3 there, I thought, for you know, we had an opportunity to uh, – to get that equalizer, but uh, just wasn't meant to be. And again, uh, I thought their goaltender played extremely well, uh, especially down the stretch in that second game. Yeah, Nathan Lewin had 37 saves. It was a season high for a Cyclones opponent in that, and was a Cyclones uh, high for the season as well. Shots on goal, they had 40 that night. Uh, you mentioned Zoltan, who is now going to get a chance to play. I would imagine, depending on how Brian Foster's groin holds up, uh, he'll play at least uh, tomorrow and then perhaps over the weekend too. Uh, I, I know from a guy who hasn't seen a lot of game time for over the course of this early season, uh, he is itching to get in net, and now his chance to maybe go in and prove that he he can hold himself up as a starter night in and night out. Yeah, that's one thing we talked about with uh, Zoltan was um, you know Brian Foster started off so well. It's tough to make that goaltending change, especially the way our schedule was set up. With uh, there wasn't any three and threes, we had uh, a proper rest in between, and uh, just felt the game in game out. We had to go with Brian Foster mm -hmm. as long as he keeps giving us this uh, opportunity to win and. Uh, uh, just told them to be patient, and the, your time will come. And sure enough, uh, you know, 10 games in, uh, his time has come now, and he'll be getting a start tomorrow morning, I anticipate, throughout the weekend. So, um, you know, it would be a good challenge for him. You know, we've got off to such a good start, and now it's his turn to uh, – keep that momentum going for us. Uh, the team defense for this club has continued to shine. Certainly it helps when you have Foster playing as well as he had, but I think it goes, you know, not even just as far as him, but everybody on this team from forwards to D, everybody seems to be playing their part, uh, and that has you know, resulted in the fourth fewest average goals against per game coming into the week of any team in the league, and that comes down to skill, but it also comes down to effort, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the guys have committed to playing uh, playing our own zone, getting in front of shots, sticks on pucks. I, I've 
you know, a lot of times guys blocking shots, it takes uh, it takes some time. You have a few guys and it, it, that are willing to do it, and then, you know, some other guys start uh, getting involved. But I think from day one, uh, you know, we have uh, everybody in that team will block shots. I mean, it's, it starts with uh, Matthias Lindstrom, who does a great job, and you can see David McDonald and Chris Reed and guys like that. And, you know, Jonathan Heason now block shots. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to watch how – it's something that's like it's contagious and uh you know you see a few guys do it and it starts uh you start expecting it from them and then you start expecting it from everybody else so uh, i think the guys are doing a great job of blocking shots and making sure fozzy can see a lot of those shots so you know we need to continue to do a lot more of that and uh, especially on that pk over the weekend a couple of cyclones uh, put the name on the score sheet that that hasn't uh, or hadn't quite uh, often throughout the course of the season Josh Shalla tipped in uh, the game winning strike on Friday and Francois Bouchard you could tell with his body language if you were at the game or watched it on America 1 you could very much tell it, it was a weight lifted off his shoulders after playing so well for so many games but finding either posts or a good save or a block shot whatever it was Bouchard just seemingly uh, couldn't quite get that puck in the net and it was uh, frustrating him I know I talked to them about it and he finally did so perhaps Perhaps maybe those two players uh, getting onto the board will begin the first of many to come in the coming weeks. Yeah, for Josh, Josh Shaw, I think it was important to get his first pro goal. He got one taken away in Kalamazoo on a quick whistle, and uh, you know he's been in and out of the lineup trying to find a, find a way to stay in the lineup. And I thought uh, he played very well Friday night. Obviously, getting that goal was a big uh, big thing for him and a big goal for us. And uh, you know he's going to continue to get those opportunities. A guy that scored. Uh, a lot of goals in junior hockey, a guy that Milwaukee's going to be counting on them to score them some goals. So uh, it's nice to get see him on the board and continue from there. And with Francois Bouchard, you know, he's, uh, he's he's been frustrated. He's been gripping his stick a little bit with, uh, you know, like you said, Nick, all the posts he's been hitting and great chances, and he just hasn't been able to score at the consistent pace that he would like to or he's proven to at the American Hockey League level with the Hershey Bears. So, um, you know, and I think one thing about Francois, he's in, he didn't come down here thinking it was going to be easy. He knew he had to work, and he has been working for us. I think he's expected a lot more success uh, right now, individual success out of himself than he's gotten. And, um, you know, he's going to continue to just keep plug away, and hopefully, like you said, this goal is something that uh, – can push him along here. Important to point out too. There's, there's probably not a guy on the team that has a better attitude than Francois Bouchard for, for a guy that has been as frustrated as he has been. He's always the one of the first guys on the ice, one of the last guys off, smile on his face, and that, I think that that type of attitude has really, you know, gone through and transcended the locker room. But everybody seems to to have that work ethic and the effort, and and I think it's showing on the scoreboard. There's no doubt about it that you you look at a team that's seven one and two to start the season. It's because guys are putting in the extra effort, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, Nick. I think you see guys, uh, you know, we talked about blocking shots, and I think just the, the effort and practice, I think the guys, uh, the pace and practice has been great, and guys are pushing each other, and guys are pushing to stay in the lineup, and other guys are pushing to get ice time while they're in the lineup. So I think every day is uh, it's, it's great to watch uh, the effort that the guys are putting forth. And, and again, you know, you've got guys, like you said, uh, Francois Bouchard and, and, you know, Brian Foster, who's a workhorse. He's the first guy on the ice every day. We have guys that are out there early every day and such young guys that want to get better. A lot of, you know, they'll be on the ice for at least half hour, 40 minutes after practice, making mm -hmm. sure they're working on stuff. So it's uh, it, it's great to see. It's a lot of good energy, and it aba with guys like uh, Pelikov and Eves, you know, Bouchard, guys that have been around a little bit, four or five, six years that understand what it takes to play at this level and get to the next level, and it uh, helps out the young guys like 
you know, Pecan and, and Lidstrom and Cam Reed and, and Josh McFadden and guys like that. Speaking of uh, Eves, Aubie, and Pelly, we had a chat about this uh, over the weekend. was curious looking it up. We've talked time and again about how uh, very good that line has been. And collectively, they've been together for the bulk of, of this season and for most of, uh, of the second half of last season. So I went back and looked, and since January of 2012, uh, as a line, they've combined, including Eves's assist on Saturday, for 115 points since last January. Now, as much as you've jumbled the lineup, some of those stats uh, obviously come as a group, but many of them as well have come as individuals. Now, certainly Eves has been moved into different lines. Aubin and Pellick have been mixed and matched with Bouchard and others. And it's nice to see them producing and consistently producing, whether together in that group or separately. And it makes the, the players that are around them better. Yeah, I mean, watching Pellick and Aubin play together, I think they know where each other's are, where each other is, is are, whatever you can correct me later, Nick. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, they play swell together. It doesn't matter who you put with them, whether it's Jonathan Hazen or, uh, or, or Francois Bouchard or, or Dan Eves on that line. They play so well together. And I think the one thing I really like about uh, Dan Eves is you can put him on any line. He's going to make that line better, you know, whether he's playing at center or left wing. It doesn't matter what uh, – where you put him or what role he plays, that line is going to be better because he's on it. And uh, that's one great uh, thing to have with uh, a guy like Dan Eves. And, again, we're going to make some decisions on tomorrow's lineup, mixing some things up just a little bit. Um, as much as, uh, you know, you, you have success, and I think uh, Pelicob and Eves and Bouchard are playing well, we'd still like to see them get on the board a little bit more. I don't think yep. we've seen uh, those nights, uh, you know, we saw last year with, you know, you know four or five points each. And, you know, those, those are special nights, but, uh, you know, 10 games in, we're still waiting for those guys to kind of break through. Mm -hmm. They're playing well. They're doing all the little things right. Uh, they're contributing here and there. You know, Dan Eve scoring on Friday night. Um, but uh, I'd like to see them have those uh, bigger nights that really put the team over the top. And uh, so we're going to move some things around just a little bit. And, uh, again, we're still trying to keep everybody, uh, you know, not sitting out two, three games in a row. So that's where the lineups always continue to juggle a little bit. So... Um, you know, some decisions will be made for tomorrow and some lineup changes a little bit. You've told me time and again uh, over the course of, of our working career about how the difference between players at this level versus the American League level and the National Hockey League level uh, um, amidst the skill is consistency. And a guy that has really, uh, to, the, to his credit, for the first month of the season plus, has been that consistent force is Jonathan Hazen. And, and we've talked about development and watching your young players get better and better. And I think he's a guy who has stood out, at least for me, what about for you, in his early portion of year number two that's really made strides from his previous season. He's made tremendous strides in the fact that, you know, he is a, uh, one of the most talented players uh, on our team. His, his, his skill set is, is so high, his, uh, his skating, uh, everything, uh, you know, those tangible things that he can do uh, are, are exceptional. They're American Hockey League. Uh, he's an American Hockey League talent, maybe even above American Hockey League talent-wise. You know, with uh, Jonathan last year was consistency, playing in those tough areas, um, you know, getting hit a few times and, 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 and fighting through that. Those were the issues with him last year. I've seen him put together two good games in a row, maybe two and a half, and then he'd take a step backwards. And, uh, you know, he played uh, two solid games uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and I was encouraged by it, but I'd seen it before, and it was a matter of, you know, that third game, see how he does the fourth game. And, you know, Mac and I have been talking. This is He's played five games now where he's been very, very consistent and for me, it's uh, going in those tough areas, fighting for pucks in those areas, continue to drive. The other night, 
you know, TJ Reynolds for um, Greenville was taking runs at him all night long. He kept going. He kept coming back for more, and it didn't phase him one bit. So, um, and then to score that highlight reel goal that he did on uh, Saturday was uh, pretty impressive. It was so, awesome. uh, you know, you, you, you can see Hazy do those things uh, with that skill set that he has in his skating. But uh, what we're looking for is those the, the work ethic and the battle level in the tough areas. And uh, he, over the last two weeks, he has really been. Uh, one of our better players and it's great to see him grow like that and uh he continues like that he'll be in san antonio before you know it speaking of promotions the cyclones defenseman was promoted today charles olivier roussel was recalled to the american hockey league and in his place anthony batetto is going to be sent down he should be here i think he's already here actually he'll be here tomorrow morning for the game and uh, i think you look at a guy in charles olivier roussel who has you know, really impressed uh, in the early going of the season, putting his body out there, being a physical player, getting a shorthanded goal up in Kalamazoo. He's a guy that definitely earned a promotion and is going to get a chance to maybe prove himself and, and stick and stay at the next level. He's been really good. I, he, he's a kid that's uh, a young guy but very mature. He, you know, The first game of the year he was a healthy scratch and it was just based upon you know, not knowing exactly what his strengths are when, you know, I know what Chris Reed can do. I know what Maury Edwards can do, Brian O'Hanley, and you've you got your guys that you know what they do and you know uh, Charlie fell out of uh, you know the top six to start the year uh, he took it well and came back and responded and played very well so um, you know he's a guy that deserves to get called up we're getting Anthony Botetto down a, a big strong kid that uh, played five games already in Milwaukee he's been healthy scratch the last two or three so you know they want to give him this opportunity to play here and uh, see what he can do seems like a great kid great attitude good work ethic we saw today in practice and uh uh, excited to see him in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, it's one of those things, too, as a coach, I imagine. It, you know, attitude is such a big thing at this level when you're trying to, to prove yourself and come in every day and, and everybody's in the same boat, especially this year with all of the roster moves. So when players come in and they have discussions, whether it be about playing time or whether it be uh, about systems or something, I imagine attitude's half the battle, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's amazing how... Uh, you know, players are you know getting sent down to us, and they're they're expected to make their American Hockey League team. They don't. They come to us, and they find themselves a healthy scratch. But it's it's how they deal with it. That's what's important. And I think that's one thing that Mac and I look at is, uh, you know, you're going to be angry, you're going to be frustrated um, about not playing. Um, you know, you need to look around and see that there's five healthy scratches every night, and that uh, you know this could be part of the process. And it's how you handle it. Uh, you know, outwardly showing us that you're pissed off is not. A way to do it you know what uh, go on the ice and put in the extra time put in their extra effort you know have a positive attitude around your teammates I mean the worst thing you can do is you know outwardly show your teammates that you're pissed off basically you're telling them that uh, you know you should be in the lineup ahead of them mm -hmm. and um, that's one of the worst things you can do these young guys uh, have to understand that uh, you know even though you're a healthy scratch you're part of this team you need to be a good teammate and uh, Charles Roussel is one of the best at it and it, it's not about making uh, our job easier. It actually makes it tougher when a guy accepts it, understands it, and does something about it. You want to get him back in the lineup. Mm -hmm. It's a guy that maybe takes a couple of days of pouting and you know his effort in practice. You can see drops off a little bit. That makes it easy. That makes an easy decision on me that you know what you're not in the lineup the next night either. So um, you know there's certain guys that take it the right way and uh, they they learn from it. They get better from it and uh, they'll get right back in the lineup. And it's an important process for these young guys. Some of these guys have never been healthy scratch before. Right. Um, you know, some of these guys have had great junior careers, college careers. Now they find themselves in the ECHL where they, you know, they expect to do great things, and now they're not playing for two, three games in a row. So it's a tough pill to swallow. It's difficult for them. But it's a great learning process. You tell them that this is good for you. They don't believe you. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's how you handle it and how you, uh, what you do with it and, and, and what you do when you get back in the lineup after being healthy scratch. Jonathan Hazen, 
I scratched. It's a tough thing for him, a second-year pro, a guy that, you know, was really contending for a job in San Antonio. He plays a couple games here. He's a healthy scratch. Well, what he did about it was uh, had a great attitude about it. He was good, you know, didn't uh, didn't complain, did not uh, mope about it. He came back out and played probably his f uh, five best games as a pro and uh, six points in five games. So, you know, that's the way you handle a situation like that. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Over the weekend in Greenville, too, you go down there, and any time you go in, into a road trip, you, you hope, as every game, you hope to win. But when you split a series like that, the way the games were played, certainly, you know, as penalties begin to stack up on Saturday, many of them questionable, in my opinion, uh, you look at the situation and, and, and take a step back and say, how this this first ten game stretch has gone? Maybe you can you can put them into chunks. This first ten game stretch was a very successful one for the Cyclones Club, and one as you look ahead to the teams like Evansville, where you still have to play the team which is tied with the worst record in the ECHL, by the way, thirteen times over the course of the season. Many things can change, but you set yourself up pretty nicely to start the year. I mean, yeah, absolutely. If you would have told me we we're going to go seven one and two to start the year, I'd take that. Uh, uh, you know, a month ago for sure, three weeks ago. So I mean, it's a good start. Uh, we played some good teams. We've had some tough games, games that one goal games that obviously can go either way. But I like how we've found ways to win. We found ourselves trailing in games and came back and won. We've, uh, you know, we've 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 gotten equalizer to get to the shootout or get to overtime, and um, you know, some some crazy games, some good bounces, some good fortune by hard work, and uh, especially up in Kalamazoo there. So there's been a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say it's not adversity. It's just that we've been going through some uh, some tough games and found ways to win, which is a great sign. And, um, you know, we've got some new newer teams coming up with South Carolina and then Evansville and, and Reading this week. So um, another new challenge is I, I told our guys, you know, going down to Greenville or two, this is going to be a ch good challenge for us to see where we're at. They're a good hockey team. They're a fast team. They're a skilled team. And we need to see where we compare. And I thought uh, – um, you know, I, I like what we saw down there. I thought uh, over 120 minutes of hockey, I thought we played very, very well. We gave ourselves every opportunity to win. And I know we had a chat after Friday's game, and uh, a guy that, if you just look at stat sheets, uh, may not appear to be one of the best players on the ice, but David Pecan, who I talked with on the Saturday intermission show, in my opinion, was one of the best players on the ice all weekend. What say you? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, his hockey sense and uh, his feel for, like, the killing penalties and and, and defending, and then he's got that offensive upside. I mean, he's such a big kid, big, strong reach. He makes things happen offensively, but he's very, very responsible defensively. And, uh, um, you know, he's a big part of our team. I mean, we missed him for one game there, and you could feel we had a hole to fill at that center position. And right. uh, being our only right-handed centerman, uh, uh, he's big on draws, all those critical areas that uh, you want a guy to be in. I think David McCann can fill that role on a nightly basis. <clears throat> One of the things that we also discussed on the Saturday pregame show was uh, players playing to their identity. And I know that sometimes when you have guys that, that maybe try to do too much, that, that don't play in their mindset, now it doesn't mean you're not going to try and put effort out there. And if you get put into a situation, fine, do, do your thing. But uh, one of the things that has impressed me and hopefully you as well is the fact that, that guys can play in their roles, they know their roles, and they're executing as such. Oh, it's been great to see. I mean, you look at a guy like Garrett Wilson, who, you know, had 17 goals last year, good, successful first season. And now, uh, you know, going into his second year, I, I basically put him in a third line role and uh, not much power play. And, you know, there's no, uh, he doesn't miss a beat. He, he accepts his role. If it's going to help us win hockey games, that's what he, he'll do. He's a left shot, left wing that I got on the right wing. Um, you know, he goes about his business and does it. Mm -hmm. and, 
you know, guys like that you need on your team to be successful. A guy like uh, Matthias Lidstrom plays to his identity to a T. Um, you know, he, he knows his role. He knows what he has to do to be successful. He knows what to do to help us be successful. And, and he does it. And it's, it's great to see all these guys just accepting their roles. David Buchanan's leading our team in scoring. Hasn't seen a power play in right. four or five games. And, and he, he's fine with that. He's accepted his role of where we want him. Now, I'd like to expand on his role a little bit. Um, over the next little bit because I think he's got something to offer in that offensive category. But, uh, again, a guy like Dan Eves, who's played uh, left wing, center, right wing already this year on a couple different lines, you know, accepts his role. And uh, whatever I have him on the day he comes in, he's good with that. I know we address this uh, over the course of every season that we've been here talking about Education and Hockey Day, which is tomorrow morning, 1030 against South Carolina. Uh, the way you've uh, organized your practice times over the, the many years you've taken over the club, it's, it's pretty much the same every day, 1030-ish, 930, they roll in, get ready to roll. You're going to push that back slightly as you know guys typically get into the building around two hours. Does the game time affect the way y your day is tomorrow from a mentality for the players? Because you know they come in around the same time to skate every day. Does the game time and the game day change the effect? Not one bit. I think um, initially when players look at this, they've never been in a 10.30 in the morning game. It kind of takes them, you know, a little by surprise. But, you know, you're, they're, they're basically up at, uh, I would imagine, 7.30, 7.45 or, you know, probably 7.30-ish. You know, get their, they will get themselves a good meal. We'll have some fruits and snacks available down at the rink for them. But, uh you know, they once they get to the rink, it, it it's all just normal. It's just absolute normalcy once they arrive at the rink. I think the the the, the initial part is getting up at 7:30 and realizing you're gonna have a game that day, that mm -hmm. morning. Once you enter the rink and they start getting ready, it, it might as well be you know six o'clock at night or 5:30 at night getting ready for a regular game at the U.S. Bank Arena because once you're inside the building, there's just normalcy to everything there. You step on the ice, you forget that it's 10:30 in the morning. Um, I know myself too, where I've left the ga the game at one, two o'clock, and I forget that it, it's an hour. We just had a morning game. Yeah. You, know, you expect to leave. It's about midnight, you know, right. and you go outside and you're like, oh my god, I forgot. It's only one thirty in the afternoon, or you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. So there's absolute normalcy to these games. It's just the initial uh, looking at the schedule and seeing there's a game at ten thirty morning that affects you. But once again, once they uh, park their cars, enter the rink, it, it might as well be a 7.30 start. I got to think, too, it, it's one of those scheduling quirks, the way the Cyclones were, were placed out this week. You have a game tomorrow morning, then Thursday and Friday. Uh, the way it all normally would work out, it's it's quite packed and a lot of jam-packed action in the in the span of 72 or, or 96 hours, what have you. And instead, now you're going to have a chance to play tomorrow morning and then have a full day and a half off theoretically before you get back to that game time and the game mentality and in a, in a compact stretch like this that could help maybe rejuvenate some legs and and get uh, guys back to 100 percent by game time no absolutely i think it's a good uh, that'll work in our favor day and a half but you know we've got so many bodies too that uh you know it, it, it's a different situation here we're able to plug different guys in so i really who plays tomorrow shouldn't affect on thursday who's fresh and who's ready everybody but ready to go and we'll you know, see, I know San Antonio plays tomorrow at the same time, 10.30. Uh, they have a game, and I know there's some teams starting to get banged up a little bit from our affiliates. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, it would be great to see if a couple guys get rewarded for their efforts and getting called up. But, uh, you know, right now we are where we're at. Charles is the only one going up right now, and then we'll uh, – We'll play tomorrow, and we'll go get. Uh, we'll see where the week takes us into Thursday. I imagine too. With, with that in mind, you have guys up at the next level getting banged up, or sell goes up, things like that. Do you ever 
have contingency plans or ideas uh, of what's going to happen if. I mean, th those, those kind of scenarios can kind of go on forever, as we've seen today, a lot of different moves that, that could have been made or are going to be made, maybe not being made, who knows. D do you have plans in place in case certain things happen going on? No, absolutely. I think you got to think a couple steps ahead here with, uh, you know, some of the call-ups and, and some guys that are banged up and trying to get different guys in. So, you know, if uh, we were close to getting uh, two more guys, we're going to get called up today. It didn't end up working out. And uh, uh, we, we had a lineup planned for tomorrow, and now we've readjusted on what, what our lineup's going to look like. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happen through a day, uh, a lot of uncertainty coming from the uh, the affiliates from injuries and waiting for MRIs and different things and you know we're kind of on hold till we find out a little bit more so um, you know we'll have our full lineup tomorrow minus Charles Olivier Roussel and uh, we'll, go, we'll go from there. Just another day in the life of Jared Scaldi huh? <laughs> yeah right. We'll come back with the head coach of the Cyclones in just a bit coming up next the Cyclones assistant coach Matt McDonald will be uh, with us to talk about his first few uh, weeks as a assistant for the Cyclones. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi show on the Cyclones radio network. You're listening to the Cyclones radio network. Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back again for another segment live on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here at the Tap House Grill. Back again next Monday. I hope that you join us. As believe it or not, we are bearing down on Thanksgiving. Hard to believe, but it is here at the Cyclones between now and then. Have three games to play. We'll discuss that, of course, tomorrow morning, 1030, Education and Hockey Day, fourth annual day for that. And then, of course, Thursday, Evansville, Friday, Reading, Military Appreciation Night. Details on that to follow. Please welcome my next guest, who is here for the second time this season after yep. kicking the year off with the whole team on uh, the first show of the year, the assistant coach of the Cyclones, Matt McDonald. Welcome. <laughs> thanks. And thanks for being with us. Uh, I, I talk to Jared about uh, the team defense and how, how good it has been and how strong on a nightly basis it has been, fourth best in the ECHL based on goals against allowed per game. And, and as a guy who is in, in charge of the defense in a, a lot of the areas of the game as well, that has to be a great affirmation for you in your first year as, a head, or as an assistant coach. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great so far. I think, you know, you got to basically look at all aspects of it. Um, Fozzie's been doing a great job, you know, even uh, Hetney the other night stepped in and did a great job, and then it goes up from there. Um, the defensemen, all eight so far, have bought into the system that, you know, it's not running gun for us back there. we got to be willing to sacrifice in all aspects of it and um, take pride in our zone. And I think that uh, the forwards, the defense, everybody's doing what we ask. And, um, you know, if you can limit them to – minimal amount of goals and it gives us a better chance to win and I think that's uh, that's been the biggest thing. You're looking for development from your younger players. We've talked with Coach about this a whole bunch, and a, a lot of the first-year pros out there, you know, like anything, take time to learn, and, and they're going to have their bumps and bruises along the way. But for the most part, it seems like like most, if not all, of your players back there, and that may go up to the forwards as well, they, they seem to be getting better every single day. Would you agree? Oh, I agree with that 100%. <clears throat> um, you know, they come from different – everybody's coming from different places, whether it be college or junior or – overseas whatever it may be but um, they definitely have come in and they bought into the system and I think being successful to start it off you know they realize okay you know these two guys they you know they're not feeding me uh, a load of uh, bad stuff there you know they're they're telling me the right things um, being successful at what we're doing and uh, you know it helps when me and Skulls go into the game we tell them what to do they do it it works and then they're you know every day they're learning okay you know let's just keep following what they're saying and it's working in the right direction so I think when that happens it's easier to sell guys on stuff and um, fortunate for us all 25 guys so far have been buying into 
the system we've been putting in place and uh, we've been putting them in situations to succeed so it's been uh, it's been a win-win on both sides. And you mentioned the, the coachability, and I think that's a factor that, that sometimes goes overlooked because of, uh, of people's attitudes, and we talked with, with Jared about that in the last segment. Being coachable is one of those things that, that can be tough at times when you when you run into those tough games or you make some mistakes and you got to point things out to guys, whether it be on video or even during the game. How important is being coachable uh, as a defenseman for you? Because ideally, as you look at, at the way the Cyclones have won games, it's been back on defense and timely goal scoring. So little things make a big difference for you. Oh, and that's it. <clears throat> that's it exactly. These guys, we have there's – not, there's not a problem in that room right now. Everybody's uh, great, got great character and, like you said, are coachable. Um, for for majority of the guys, you can pull them aside and tell them what they've done wrong. And even if they don't understand, we can show them in video, which we've done. But uh, – the other guys, you know, they, they clue in right away. You say, you know, you made a mistake here, and they come off, and they know they made the mistake. Okay, I didn't put the puck in the right spot. The next shift, it's not making the same mistake twice. They go back out there, they make the right decision. And I think that's been the biggest thing for us because, you know, Scalds will tell the forwards, okay, make sure you're back into the house, like in the slot, going out from there. The first guy doesn't do it. We show him, all right, you made a mistake. We'll put you back out there and give you another chance. It's not, okay, sure. you made one mistake, you're done for the night. Mm-hmm. Go out there, learn from it. They learn. Next time, it doesn't happen again. And it's something as simple as, like, uh, chipping it out of the zone off the glass. It's some of, the, some of the simple things that you may take for granted as a fan and watch it. And even from the broadcast booth, sometimes you, you don't watch the same game I watch as a, as a coach. And I know Jared and I have talked about that on several occasions where as we watch from a fan's perspective or a broadcast pers- uh, broadcaster's perspective, it's a lot different than how you may watch it, even on video or from the bench. Oh, yeah, and that, that's, uh, that's part of it right there is we see, okay, a battle on the wall getting the puck out. Yeah, sure, there might be a guy wide open on the far side, but for you to force that puck across, you got to go through five or six different pairs of skates and sticks and everything else. So we, we stressed them, we'll make the simple play, get it up the wall, and that's how we're going to get out of the zone. That's how we're going to keep it successful. And then when you get in these tight games or it's one-goal one games, which we've had, what almost every single one mm-hmm. except for one, I think. And that was that was by now. yeah, that yeah. was by a couple goals. So th- those type of things that they they catch on and then they become habit. And then when you get in those tight situations, you know they're not trying to force anything. They keep it up the wall. And then if you're up by a goal, you can you can be successful and go through the game up by a goal and win the game. And that's the thing where where sometimes it's not necessarily as much skill as you have, but rather just how simple you make it. Because there are guys out there on a, on a nightly basis that uh, that they are not one to jump up into the play and make an offensive shot. I mean, I just can compare two players just in an example. You got a guy like Taylor, Taylor Aronson who has some significant speed and a pretty good shot back there as well, willing to jump up into the play, but sometimes that's not the right play. Where you have a guy like Chris Reed who who can be offensive, but is very much a a simple uh, very stay-at-home style defenseman. He is very content with just getting it up and getting it out. Yeah, that's and that's two different players right there. You got a guy like um uh David McDonald who he, he'll sit there and he'll block a shot with his face, but, you know what I mean, you, you tell him to shoot a puck down and go on the net, maybe it's not going to happen as much as it would for Taylor Ernestson. Mm-hmm. But then now you got guys like Taylor Ernestson knowing, okay, for me to be, consen- uh, be in the lineup every night, i got to be willing to block the shot and then bring that other aspect. That comes more natural. Yeah. That's what you find with a lot of guys is they come down here and they think, oh, I can just run and gun. Right. You know, I can get 60 points in this league as a defenseman. Well, yeah, but you're going to be minus 40, so you're on for 100 goals against. That doesn't make any sense for us. Mm-hmm. Be a positive guy, a plus guy, sorry. Be a plus guy, and then those that other stuff in the offensive zone is going to come natural. 
it's getting these offensive guys to buy in defensively, which they have. Taylor Anderson, I don't know, the one game he blocked three or four shots mm-hmm. up pretty high, like getting in front of him. It wasn't just for show. He was blocking them. Right. Guys like uh, Josh McFadden doing the same thing. And these guys, they can score. They can get points like a forward can. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's showing video. It's showing the, the right things in practice where the right times to jump. And then as soon as they learn that, you know, they're going to go up and they're going to be successful in the American League because they're not going to be doing this run and gun, bad habit stuff. They're going to learn the defensive side and go up from there. And I think that's that's one of the things that it has been most interesting to watch when we are, you know, sitting down and you and, and Jared are looking at the video and I'm just kind of sitting back and watching you, you break things down. Uh, one of the things you mentioned a lot is, is being strong on the stick. Explain what that means and why it's so important in the defensive end. Uh, being strong on the stick is, <clears throat> for lack of better words, being – yeah, being strong, being heavy on it, just being competitive. If uh, the puck goes on, if you're not strong enough, a guy will come and lift it up, take it away, and be gone. And that tra- that transition hurts us. Where if a guy's strong on it, he's willing to use his body, get in front of it, corral it, and be in a position to be able to go forward and get out of the zone. That's all being strong on it. It's just more or less it's competing when the puck comes to you and you're battling another guy one-on-one. You want to be strong in your stick, be strong in the in a situation to get control of the puck and get it moving forward. And it's no mistake that because of that successful move in, in the defensive end that you're holding teams to some of the lowest shot totals on average in the league at 28, I think the average is now for shots against, which, uh, you know, consistently, and even going back to last year, same situation, you're top five, top six, top seven in the league. That doesn't come by accident, and it doesn't come by just simply being in the way. It's a lot more than that, and, and blocking shots is part of it, but uh, I mean, consider on the opposite angle when you have a defenseman like Maury Edwards or or Taylor or, or anybody back there that has a point shot that tries to get pucks to the net. It is an art trying to get pucks through the block. How do you teach your defensemen that are at the point to try and get that puck to the net when there's a whole sea of bodies in front? I think um, for me, when I talk to guys about that, everybody wants to take the big slap shot and have all this uh, velocity, everything else on it. All the <clears throat> a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of guys do that, thinking that that's the best way to get through. It's not. People now the the guys playing the game have so much equipment on that they're willing to stand in front of them. It's not going to hurt them. They're going to get the puck, knock it down, and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I find that if you get across that blue line, you can snap it through just a wrist shot, even if there's not much to it, but it gets off the ice. Not only is it going to find its way through, but guys are going to be able to tip it in. Yeah. So it's it's better for both sides of it. Before it's sitting in front, a guy takes a shot 100 miles per hour you can't tip that in and if you do you don't know where it's going Mm -hmm. if it's a a shot that gets through that has a little bit less on it you're going to be more accurate and the forward's going to be able to see it and tip it so that's just something that and it takes an act to it it's definitely just we work on it tons in practice just working on that stuff and taking away the the huge clapper and just working on the little things. Okay, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was the video side of it, and, and you're able to bring guys in and, and illustrate what guys are doing wrong or what you want them to change. Uh, I'd imagine as, as a coach learning that, you've been on the other side of it being coached and, and shown what, what's going on in the locker room or, you know, hey, here's what I want you to do. Now that you're on the other side and, and actually are in, in tasked with cutting that video up for the coaching staff and, and – for the players, really, uh, how has that technology helped you develop as a coach in your first six weeks? Oh, it's <clears throat> it's helped out tremendous. It's it's something that you know you you think guys are doing the wrong play or something that you don't agree with, and then you watch it. You can watch it on video and be like, wow, you know, actually it wasn't his fault. It was maybe this guy's fault, mm-hmm. or you know, you think he made a great play. You found you look at the video and realize he was cheating so far out of position that that's how that play happened. Where if you didn't have the video, and years ago they didn't. You can only imagine it would be a lot tougher on the coaches. Now we can break it down and, 
you know, and it, it settles a lot of arguments, actually, because not arguments, but disagreements on something. You can talk to a guy and be like, you know, you're out of position here. You should have been in the, the, uh, closer to the fence, but whatever it may be. And they're going, well, and it's tough in a game. It happens so quick that they're like, well, I don't remember that play. Or, no, I was in the right position. And then you can bring him in the next day and be like, see, this is what I'm talking about. You're not scolding him. You're not being negative. You're just like, this is where you need to be. That's mm-hmm. how we're going to be successful as a team. And guys can, uh, you know, guys can relate to it. When they see themselves on there, it always sucks when you get called in. And coaches like, hey, like, hey, Matt, get in here. i got to show you the three goals you're on for. But, you know, you learn. You learn. And that's, that's the biggest thing here is we're just trying to teach these guys and get everybody learning every day so that we can continue to be successful in this league. And on the counter side, you, you look at a team like South Carolina or Toledo or Greenville, and, and thanks to the way uh, the technology has worked in the ECHL, uh, pretty much every game uh, in the league is accessible through uh, the website. So you guys can go back and watch other teams' games, maybe not mark them, so to speak, in the same way that you can look at your own game film. But it, it's pretty much the same style tape, the broadcast angle, where you can watch and see the, the tendencies. And I know that that, that is something that you and Coach Scaldi uh, spend a, a significant amount of time going over uh, over the course of a given week so you can kind of see on the counter how you can beat some of their weaker players or even some of their stronger players yeah it's <clears throat> it, it's something else to be able to go back and watch videotape on another team so when you come in you know what the kind of system they're doing for power play penalty kill even five on five which players stood out which players didn't um you know maybe their goalie has a tough time playing it to the left side or mm-hmm. his blocker looks weak it's things that you can't see on a piece of paper when it's written up because it just shows, okay, three goals against. Well, all three goals were top blocker side. So we go in, we're able to put game notes up before the before the guy show up to the rink and, uh, for the game day and say, you know, this is where he's weak. This guy, you know, maybe he likes to go to his backhand a lot as a defenseman or likes to spin. So take away this angle, take away that angle. And the more you break it down, it actually just it becomes an easier job for everybody. It takes a little bit. It takes time for us, but it makes the job easier on the players. And that's what you know. That's what our game plan is. And I got to think too. I mean, looking at, at the way the locker room is set up, you, you're in there hours and hours before uh, anything uh, gets done on the ice. And and you know, in Greenville, just as an example, we're on the road. We're doing things on the road, getting ready. Players are back at the hotel. You guys are at the arena hours and hours before putting up little notes on guys, little players to watch, things, tendencies, all those little things. Things I imagine they're they are tedious in nature, but they're also very rewarding when you get a chance to say this is what this guy's weak at. Go after it; it's going to work. And then in the game time, it happens. They do it. They follow it, and you win. Yeah, no, that's <clears throat> that's a. <laughs> it definitely puts a smile on your face when you're able to put up something on the board. You have the guys in there, which we are fortunate. We have everybody listening and working at it, and you you do all that work, and then it comes out, and like you said, it's successful. We win. And you're going, okay, every every minute, every second there that you put in for those hours was worth it. Mm-hmm. To have that success at the end of the day was definitely worth it. It's, uh, it gets a little more frustrating when you put stuff up there and they don't <laughs> follow it. But, you know, fortunately for us so far, we haven't had that situation. And, you know, guys make mistakes, so it's human nature. But so far, everything we've been doing has been, been going in the right direction. You're six weeks into your professional coaching career. What's been your favorite part so far? Um, my favorite part? I think kind of just like what we were just talking about, doing that, all that extra work, and then seeing the, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when the guys go out there for those two hours when it's kind of in a, in a different way. It's a little bit out of your hands. You're not the one on the ice anymore. Being able to make a difference on the ice, you know, we do what we can on the bench, but we're the ones that prep them all week so mm-hmm. that they can do what they do on the ice. And to know that you did everything the right way and then they followed it the right way and to win, 
you know that that to me is so far has been it's been a great joy and maybe it's the same area but what's been the toughest part yeah pretty much the same thing <laughs> no actually you know the, the toughest part i think is uh yeah, that's probably it, actually, <laughs> to set that up and then have guys, you know, and it, like I said, I think we have the guys following the right steps. It's just when you get out there, the game happens so quick, you make mistakes. But, um, you know, everything for the most part has been 90% positive, maybe 10%, a little bit less, but that's about it. Well, thanks for being with us. Appreciate you spending some time. We'll see you on the bench tomorrow. All right, thank you very much. That's Cyclones assistant coach Matt McDonald. will come back with the head coach of the Cyclones right after this on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Back again for one final segment on this Monday night, November 12th. Glad you are with us on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here at the Tap House Grill. We'll do it all again next week, 7 to 8. Hope you're with us as the Cyclones will hopefully be recapping three wins in four days beginning tomorrow morning. We touched on South Carolina a little bit, and a lot of new faces for that team down there, Coach, but not necessarily a different style. Spencer Carberry still with the helm down there. They did not practice today as they came in after three games and three days themselves over the weekend. So uh, of what you've seen, what can you expect tomorrow morning at U.S. Bank Arena? Well, one thing Spencer always has is a good, solid defensive team. He builds his team around, uh, you know, some good defensemen. I know he's a, he's a, he signed some pretty good defensemen this summer. And uh, like I said, their dynamics of their teams have changed. There's uh, there are very few familiar faces left on that team. But again, they're going to be a team that's, you know, tight checking. We're going to have to find ways to create offense, and that's something that we worked on today. We we worked on our entries today, getting the puck wide, uh, coming up through the middle of the ice, spitting the puck out wide entering the offensive zone that way and uh, having options to the net with F2 going to the net, F3 wide laterals, and then uh, having that fourth guy enter the zone. Also on our retrievals, when we do get a puck possession offensively, we're going to need our defensemen to be very active to try to create some defense. So those are that's one area of the, 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 the game we worked on today and we're going to emphasize tomorrow going in, into uh, uh, tomorrow morning's game is just trying to find different ways to uh, – create offense and keep the offense alive anytime there's an education and hockey day the, the the way it feels in that building is different because the audience is significantly different mostly students many of whom have not ever even been to a cyclones game or if they have they haven't been to very many so with the energy in that building likely going to be extremely high right out of the gate screaming fans how does that change the mentality for maybe you and them but significantly for south carolina and how you jump at them early well, I, I think, you know, regardless if there's uh, 8,000 screaming kids or uh, 8,000 uh, people drinking dollar beer, uh, you know, <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon, we want to come out hard. You know, we want to come out and establish our forecheck. I think that's something that, uh, you know, we talk about every night and, and, you know, every team wants to. I mean, you look at the numbers, you know, the team that scores the first goal of the game and, and different things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, that first five minutes can really establish uh, something, especially at home. You know, we want to be homers. I, there's no, there's no, every team in the league wants to be homers. Like, you know, let's win at home. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously, you need to win on the road too, um, which we won a couple, <laughs> couple times this year. Yes. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, that first five minutes can really dictate uh, a lot uh, at home. You know, you come out with that energy, establish the, the forecheck and get the, the other team on their heels is a big thing. And that's what you've done for most part uh, over the course of a season. Looking at the stats, you're 5-1-1 one, one when you score the game's first goal. That's 7 out of 10. I mean, 70% of the time getting the game's first goal. it we comes 5-0-1 oh, until yeah, well, Saturday, right? Uh, I, I didn't say it. At the end of the day, though, <laughs> at the end of the day, though, coming out the way you have, I mean, you talk about forecheck, and that was one of your big keys on the board. We talked with Mac about the things you put on that board. Mm -hmm. And the two you stress, 
rest, especially down there on the road, getting that forecheck, making sure it's strong every time. There is no, it's not negotiable, as you would say. Mm -hmm. You go into this game, same thing, and the results are going to be very simple. It's very cut and dry. You do this, you're going to win games. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, Mac touched on it. It's just that, that trust that the players, uh, you know, need to have in the coaching staff. And, and, and it's why you, you, you bring certain people back. And, and, you know, a guy like Brian O'Hanley and, uh, you know, Matthew Aubin, Danny's, my, uh, Matt Pellett, Mike, I want to keep on Matt. I keep saying Matt. Mike, Mike Pellett. We, we got Maybe because I'd like to have his brother Matt <laughs> here too, who plays in Worcester. Big, strong guy. But, um, you know, they, they believe in what we're doing and it, and it brings other people along and stuff. And like uh, Max says, uh, you tell them this is going to work and when it does work, it, it it's good and you, they build that trust and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very repetitive when you play so many games in a row. And I've, I've told Mac this, you'll see sometimes it's just like, yeah, just put a tape record in the room and press play, but you've yeah. got to continue to hammer this stuff home because it's amazing how guys will drift away from what is successful. They know it's helped us. They know it's made us successful, but they will start drifting away from what has made them successful, what's made us mm -hmm. successful. So, you know, as much as it's, it's nice we've got off to this good start, um, you've got to continue to hammer things home uh, about what we have to do and remind them this is why we've been successful and this is how we're going to continue to be successful by doing these things. So it's uh, a lot of times I go in the room and it's like, geez, I just put this up the board like uh, five days ago, the exact <laughs> same thing. And, and then it's like, yeah, but they need to hear it again and again and again. And they'll be hearing it in March and April and hopefully into May and, and all that, that this is mm -hmm. what you have to do to be successful. I know you don't like going too far ahead. and You're focused on tomorrow, which is obvious. But uh, uh, looking to Thursday and to Friday, two different teams, a three games in four-day stretch. Thursday is the first of 13 regular season meetings between Cincinnati and Evansville. Plenty of things can change between now and the end of the year. But uh, the way that things are shaping up for Evansville, it's not a pretty sight. And I... Obviously, going into a situation where they're at, you know, on the road for the first time in a building that you've been significantly successful over the last few years, it's an opportunity for you to separate them, uh, yourselves from them at the bottom and, and maybe get a good idea uh, of where you're at and in comparison to other teams in the league. Then you've played everybody in the division so far. Yeah, I think uh, looking at Evansville, obviously they, they've struggled. They've had a hard time getting some points. And, and you know, we're going we're gonna to play them for the first time on Thursday. And, uh you know, we, we will not be taking them lightly at all. I mean, this league, it's a it's a fine line between winning and losing, and, you know, they've got some good players over there. So for us, I think it's very, very important, a team we're going to play 13 times. I mean, that is – those are significant points, whether, you know, trying to get the North Division uh, title or, you know, it does – those are huge, huge points for us. So uh, that that's one thing we will not be taking Evansville lightly. I think it's, again – established ourselves against Evansville, Evansville right off the hop. Their lineup's going to evolve and change. Ours is going to do the same throughout the year, but, you know, we've got to make sure that Thursday we establish ourselves against them, especially those are huge, huge points as the season goes along of who wins that season series. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, Military Appreciation Night, some interesting-looking sweaters. If, uh, you haven't seen them, haven't yet. Seen them yet. You no. can go to CyclonesHockey.com. A picture of them is up. We'll be auctioning those off after the game. So always a fun night, and certainly it's one of those nights for us as, as you know, 
people that work in hockey, it's, it's a great opportunity to give back to those that have served our country and uh, all, all their families. So hopefully we see a packed house that will be uh, able to, to support the great cause. And I know uh, the guys will be amped up and ready to go on Friday night against another team you haven't faced yet this season, the Reading Royals, in an Atlantic division that has been all over the place to start the year. You had Elmira and Trenton running crazy on all cylinders, and then they've fallen away. Reading has ri uh, risen from the bottom. Now they're at the top. Uh, what do you expect to see from Larry Corville's bunch? Well, they're they're talented. They're very talented. That's why it was so surprising to see them get off to the start that they did. They they really uh, you know stumbled out of the gate, but of late have come on. I mean, and you knew it was going to happen. We're going to see a familiar face in Adam Comrie coming yeah. back to Cincinnati for the first time. So that'll be interesting for for all of us because <laughs> some of the guys obviously uh, were with Florida Panthers organization and know them very well and. Uh, so no, they're they're a good team. I mean, they're 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 very very talented. Um, you know, we're gonna be doing some pre-scout on them after tomorrow's game, uh, a little more in depth. But uh, so looking forward to tomorrow. Is uh, is everybody coming down tomorrow? All right, I think all right, we're, we're good. Packed house. Thanks. Good. For I want to hear you when SpongeBob's on the big screen <laughs> screaming. Coach, we appreciate you being with us as always, and we'll see you tomorrow at the arena. Great. Thanks for coming, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being here for Cyclones head coach Jared Scully and assistant coach Matt McDonald. I'm Nick Brunker. In case you can't be with us tomorrow, we'll be on the air on the Cyclones radio network beginning at 10.15. Until then, this is Nick Brunker saying so long, everybody.